Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm so glad you've chosen to worship together this morning. Uh, What a great day it is, and we're so thankful to have this opportunity by technology, virtual worship, and I'm so glad you're here. And in, in my heart, I can see you. I know you're there. I just wish we were all here, and it won't be long, I trust. This Thursday is Maundy Thursday, so join us at uh, 6.30 for a celebration of Maundy Thursday, 6.30 p.m., and we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. So there at your home between now and Thursday, find some bread, and you may not have grape juice, so get some form of liquid that will do just fine and uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper together for Maundy Thursday. It will be up at 6.30. Of course, you can tune in whenever you wish. And then on Friday, our traditional Good Friday service is also at 6.30 p.m., and I hope you'll join us for that very special occasion. Today, we continue our series, Steps to the Cross, and the message today is entitled, Steps to the Cross, Crucified. When I think of the cross, perhaps like some of you, I have mixed emotions. I'm sad. It pains me to think that my sin caused Jesus pain, both his physical pain and his spiritual pain. But also thoughts of the cross bring me great joy because I know that I am forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the cross, there, of course, would have been no resurrection. And without the cross and the resurrection, there would be no hope for me or for you and we would contemplate an eternity separated from God. I hope you have your Bible in hand, because we're going to read from Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to read beginning at verse 26, Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse 26. And it says, Then he released Barabbas to them, that is Pilate, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. And took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. And then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon. And they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after taking it, he refused to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. 
Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now, if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. The illegal trials of Jesus are finished He will die by crucifixion, having already been greatly abused. This is taking place at a place that's known as Golgotha, or translated the place of the skull. Not much elaboration is given in the Gospels concerning crucifixion. Not much explanation, because none was needed in the first century. Crucifixions were very common and always public. And so everyone knew what the word crucifixion involved. Someday, COVID-19 may need some explanation and elaboration. Not at the moment. So it was in the first century regarding crucifixion. Everyone knew that it was brutal. It was painful beyond belief. That 50th verse that says, has Jesus saying he gave up his spirit, sounds so final, but you and I know it is It is not final. So there are four things that I want us to embrace from the text. And the first is this, he is mocked as a king, but he is a king. He is mocked as a king. But he is a king, beaten severely. Now he is mocked as a king. He was stripped. A scarlet robe was placed upon his lacerated back. A crown of thorns that looked much like this was placed on his head. And I assure you the Roman soldiers didn't place it gently. They rammed it upon his skull in horrible pain and suffering for our Savior. They gave him a a, a staff that may have looked something like this. You can be sure they didn't try to find something expensive. But they gave him a staff because, after all, every king has a staff. And they really were mocking him by giving him this staff. And then they bowed before him. And they spit on him and they took the staff and they hit him in the head over and over and over 
again. Then they took off the robe and they put back on his bloody clothes and led him to what is known as the Via Dolorosa, which in Latin means the way of sorrow. And Jesus endured mockery as a king. But he is a king. Hard for us to contemplate when you think about the cross. It's not fair. It's not right. How dare they do this to Jesus? Is there some irony here? They call him king in mockery and derision, yet that is who he is. King. King Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. King in the lineage of David, as the Old Testament prophesied. Mighty King, everlasting Father, that is God in the flesh, Prince of Peace, all written long ago by the prophet Isaiah. King of the Jews. But he's our king. He's our king. And the soldiers who mocked him were clueless. But now they know, and so do we. And so we see Jesus. He is mocked as a king, but he is a king. Then the second thing that I want us to embrace is this. He was powerless, but all-powerful. He was powerless, but all-powerful. The crucifixion is very public. That was a Roman tactic to suppress opposition. The Romans were saying by public crucifixion, see, this is what will happen to you if you break Roman law. If you oppose us, this is what will happen. As Jesus came to Golgotha, going down the Via Dolorosa, he carried that heavy crossbeam until he collapsed underneath its weight. And then Simon of Cyrene was forced to carry it the rest of the way. When they reached the place of the crucifixion, the cross beam was nailed to the vertical beam and Jesus was not gently placed, but thrown onto the cross, his arms stretched out and they nailed his arms to the cross beam, penetrating with the nails right at the little indention in your wrists. And then they nailed through his ankles, through his feet and nailed him to the cross there. And then they lifted the cross up, probably using ropes and a horse or two. And they lifted the, the cross up and, and it fell. There was a hole beneath the cross at the foot of the cross and it dropped into the hole, jolting the body of Jesus and causing him even more pain and agony. He is powerless, but he's all-powerful. The cross is horrible to contemplate. The pain is unreal. Jesus' body would be racked by waves of muscle spasms. And so in order to breathe, he would pull up with his arms, pressure on the nails and the wrists. He would push up with his feet, 
putting pressure on the nail that had its feet nailed to the cross. And he would lift up so that he might open his chest cavity and breathe. But then as soon as he did, the the excruciating pain would come in waves over him and muscle spasms. And so he would release and let down again, causing more pain on his hands and on his feet. And then just start and do it all over again, time after time after time. The cross is shame. It is horror, it is pain, it is barbaric. He was mocked by the passers-by who said, if you are truly God, why don't you come down? He's powerless. But why? Paul gives us an explanation in Philippians chapter 2 when he says, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped to his own advantage. Rather, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Have you ever thought as you th- consider the cross, Do something, Jesus. Oh, I've thought that many times. And wouldn't it have been delicious at the moment for Jesus to come off the cross and and to punish those who had put him there? But then more rational, mature thinking takes over. And I'm so thankful that he stayed on the cross. Powerless, yet powerful. All powerful. Because he died... By his blood, my sin is forgiven. Because he died, he was raised back to life in triumph over death and has the power then to save you and I. Listen to some verses from Scripture about the cross. Oh, not exhaustive, but a few. From Galatians, the third chapter and verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a a pole or a tree or the cross. Listen to the way Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Then listen to the way Paul says it in the incredibly beautiful book of Colossians, the second chapter, beginning with verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And then the writer of Hebrews put it this way in the 12th chapter in the second verse. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
And then finally, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. Before the crucifixion, no one talked about the power of the cross. The cross was a horror, a disaster. No one would have ever had something like this in their home or this one comes from my office. No one would have worn a cross as jewelry. The cross was a horror. It was an indignity. It was, it was incredibly horrible. But now, because of the power of the cross, we have cross in our jewelry. We have crosses in our homes. We put crosses on the top of the steeples of our churches because we glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Powerless, but all-powerful. It brings us to the third thing. He was unable to save himself, but he saves us. He was unable to save himself, but he saves us. Jesus came for this very reason. In his own words, in Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The mockers thought he was powerless because he could not save himself. The truth is, he showed his power by staying on the cross because that is why he came. It was the plan of God from eternity past and that plan was fulfilled to the glory of God on the cross. Listen to the way it's written in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, the word save can be a baseball term. It can be a soccer term. It can be a computer term. It can be a a term of possession. But the biblical word save means to save people or to rescue people from their sin. That is exactly what Jesus has done for us on the cross. There's an old song that says, He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. That's a great song, but the truth of the matter is, He didn't need 10,000 angels. He could have done it all himself. But He showed His power by staying on the cross. Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful? And so we find that he was mocked as a king, but he is a king. He was powerless, but all-powerful. He was unable to save himself, but he saves us. And last, number four, he cried out in despair, but we are to trust him. He cried out in despair, but we are to trust him. In the 46th verse, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, the face of God had turned away from his son. And Jesus cries out. He is in this moment. Don't miss it. He is in this moment bearing the sin of the world on his own innocent heart. He was wounded 
for our transgressions, he was, he who knew no sin was made sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Despair? Yes. Pain? Yes. Separation from the Father is not a play on words. It is not a figure of speech. It was real. He cried out so that you don't have to cry, God, God, where are you? The bloody cross is our hope and our salvation. He came to die in our place. Why the cross? Hear it again from Isaiah chapter 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So, he was mocked as a king, but he is king. He was powerless, but all-powerful. He was unable to save himself, but he saves us. He cried out in despair, but we are to trust him. And as we come to the end of this message this morning... I have no idea who's watching. You may be in Belton, Texas. You may be halfway around the world from Texas watching this message and this worship service. And I would simply say to you this morning, you need Jesus. If you do not already know him, would you call out to him today and say, yes, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Yes, Jesus, you are my Savior. Yes, Jesus, forgive my sin come into my life. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. I declare my allegiance to you, Lord Jesus. Very simply, would you pray that prayer? And then I hope you'll let us know this week what you've done. Get in touch with us by email or by phone call and let us know of your decision to follow Jesus for we'd like to help you as you grow as a Christ follower. Would you bow with me please for prayer? Our Father, I pray that even now there's someone somewhere who is calling out to you for salvation. We thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sin. We thank you for the glorious resurrection by which we have triumph and victory over death. We love you, we adore you, and we worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. would like more information visit our church website at www.fbcbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705 we are located at 506 north main street in belton texas we hope to see you soon